Nation, what's going on? What's really real? It's your girl Toya G. A beautiful Thursday night in Chop Nation, indeed. Glad to be with y'all on here with my boy, the political plug. What's going on, sir? What is good with it? We uh, not only are we on time, we actually early. You know what I'm saying? So, shout so out to that. Every minute, every minute <laughs> that we're early, like, is a payback for every time we've been late. So, this is like 10 paybacks for every time we said. 7.30 Pacific Standard Time. And all of y'all that was rocking with us while we did that. Appreciate y'all. Mm-hmm. We in here. So sweet. So polite. Make sure on your way in, you say what's good. You greet uh, not only us, but the fellow uh, folks that are going to be in the chat talking to us tonight. Say what's up. Say where you from. All of that fun stuff. But make sure you're talking to us. And then, of course, for the rest of the conversation, because we have a good one warmed up for tonight. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump into it because the Blexit has arrived in social media <laughs> land. The first dissenters have now and newly landed in a place called Spill. Um, Spill, We all know that Elon Musk has been up to some tricky business ever since last year when he acquired uh, Twitter uh, for like $44 billion, if I'm not crazy. Is that billion? Yeah. Is it million? Billion, billion, billion. That's what I thought. I knew it was what it did. But the B's on it. Goodness gracious. And Uh, A lot has unfolded there. You know, he went on there and really kind of overtook it and proclaimed it to be uh, a more conservative-leaning app from there that, you know, encouraged him to start cleaning house. So in the fall of 2020, we saw uh, the staff at Twitter go from like 7,500 to about 1,500. The majority of those were layoffs. People, key cards weren't working no more. Folks went in to go use the bathroom, came back to log into their email and was like, Control all yeah. elite. You're fired. You're fired. You know, yeah. couldn't get back in. Ironically enough, you know, word to Donald Trump, like got them up out of there. And then the rest of the people couldn't stomach a lot of the changes and resign. So you have a lot of uh, attrition. You have a lot of changes and moves away, moves away from Twitter. What were we about to say? Look. I think, I think that, because I ain't even a Twitter person like that. I know you have more of the grievances. Um, and in terms of like somebody that like was a I part of Twitter culture, of the, yeah, of the interesting right, right. Your your grievances is more based on the the your interaction, your experiences right. with engaging with the app. Me, as somebody on the outside looking in, what I felt like was crazy as shit when Elon Musk bought Twitter is the five hundred percent increase of hard R N word in response to these freedom of speech claims because. Right. I'm going to just get through this quick. We're not going to do the whole spill. But at the end of the day, freedom of speech, specifically in the, in the context of how we understand it from the Constitution, is used to make room for hate speech. It is used to protect hate speech. That, that That's the only purpose that these people rely on that on. And when Elon Musk took over Twitter and just ran with this freedom of speech shit, and then we see the hate speech in in uh that on the rise in response to that, it's because they felt comfortable being on that mm-hmm. shit. So yeah, that's like, I I knew I knew I knew from there it was like yeah that, that this is the beginning of the end. Well, I mean that in addition to uh, the reinstatement of Donald Trump's Twitter, right? That was also soon to come in the fall. So he got his voice and freedom of speech back in that regard. And so in a lot of ways they get to characterize it as re 
establishing the freedom of speech that had been taken away from a lot of people. Uh, right. We saw that be a wave. Then, uh, in an interesting turn of events, we had, at, toward the end of last year, I want to say around November sometime, we had the enforcement of subscription-based participation with Twitter. Right? Niggas was so, buying their blue checks. Yeah. At the same time, <laughs> <laughs> at the same time that Twitter... I think up to this point, and maybe even more at this point, seeing 60% drop in, in ad revenue, uh, less people pr- promoting on the app, a lot of people shutting down their accounts altogether, reading the writings on the wall, a lot of people got out of here, said, meet me on other platforms, I'm done with this, and got about, they lost a whole lot of money, and oddly enough, at that same time, to recoup a lot of those funds, they decided to go to a subscription base, right? So now, for $8 a month, you get a blue check. But what happens with a lot of that chaos when they take away? Because in order to enforce that, they took away blue checks from right. a lot of official businesses, policymakers, news outlets, and whatever. So what happened on Twitter when we historicized the downfall? Ultimate chaos. Because now you have parody <laughs> accounts who are pretending to be people, companies, real people. Because they because because we've been brainwashed into these blue checks. Like these blue checks automatically give your brain like that easy a, a check mark of credibility so exactly. niggas was on there saying wow shit yes and then of course people are conflating that with the real people who are just like i didn't say nothing like that right? I don't <laughs> right. thing. i've never said such a thing as a business as a company as an entity like this shit is having legal implications as a policymaker, as a representative of the law like yeah. this literally has implications on how i do my job and this is because twitter had become such a uh, an epicenter of information of validity a lot of people broke news we talked about this in other episodes about twitter and the other elon musk episodes when he was buying it uh and just changes since then a couple different episodes and you know the 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 unique thing about twitter versus other platforms is that when people want to set the record straight they go there all through COVID, you were able to get on twitter timelines and see live numbers of things like infection rates and uh, transmission rates and numbers of deaths and numbers of hospitalizations. And you can look in your area and you can look across the United States and across the world and see that stuff in real time. You have, you know, when big events happen, people take to Twitter to give commentary about it. And now all of a sudden it equalizes the idea that the average person and the average celebrity got the same 240 characters, 180 characters to say what they got to say to reflect on what's happening in the world. You have yeah. correcting false news that existed in the world. So while we have misinformation while we have disinformation you have people, people literally right? speaking for themselves you know what i'm saying so yeah it, 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 and the blue check thing started on twitter and then let's be honest that's when we start seeing them on instagram blue, blue checks are not always existing in these places we start seeing them on facebook we start yeah. seeing them on uh uh tiktok um and so it it's it is impactful right regardless how many people use it even if you didn't how many times did we see an instagram post that was a screenshot of a tweet and now we see it vice versa but the, 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 the relevance has always been there for the kids, right? So Twitter doing that whole subscription-based thing was weird. More people left. People had to make hard decisions about whether or not to subscribe. Yeah, you get to edit your tweets. Yeah, you get to post videos, longer videos now. But at what cost? Right. Um, and then you also seem viewed to be a sellout if you pay the $8, right? You're mm-hmm. in the, like, it's not real. You do not. You, niggas is not respecting the $8 blue checks. The Elon blue check. And then I feel like, was it some gold ones out there that they was possibly giving out? Maybe. I haven't seen as many of those. I think maybe they scrapped that part of the programming, but those yeah, see. are still for a lot of people. Just, they get yeah. about using them. And some people are like, we yeah. kind of have to. And then they also gave some blue checks back. It was weird. Either way, they treated that part of Twitter interestingly. Mm. And then since then, it's been all types of little random just stuff. 
weird suggestions, weird conversations, uh, public forums, political conversations happening over there. And then recently, uh, just in the last couple of weeks, was gets us back to spill. Uh, last week, as a matter of fact, they had some weird, what we all thought was a Twitter crash. Um, and this is where they had messages popping up on people's Twitters that say rate limit exceeded. The thing about that is rate limit exceeded. Like, what is this? Why is it glitching up? Okay, I'm going to refresh my app. I'm going to close it out and open it back up and see what's up. Then Elon Musk all of a sudden pops out with a tweet saying, okay, new system. Uh, What is it? 300 tweets if you have a new profile. 600 tweets a day is what you can view if you are our existing member. And then, was it, 60,000? Like 6,000, 6, yeah. 6,000 is what you can view if you have a subscription. People like, yeah. how you going to do this that? Is wild. First of all, how you going to do yeah. that to me? And I've been on Twitter since 2008. I think I've been on Twitter for 15 years or how, whenever how the hell that was ago. Right. Right? So right. how you going to do that to people who just been on Twitter using the app? But then people with subscription got with it? Yeah, and, and, and I, I think this is where... I feel like it, it was a tweet that said it best. That was just like, the next time you motherfuckers call Elon Musk a genius, slap yourself. You, yeah. You're literally, he's literally limiting the amount of time people spend on an app that's, that, that really depends on ad-based revenue, which is depending on the amount of time people spend on the app. So, and, then, and, then I, and then I seen a, I seen a tweet where he was kind of explaining it like, you know, I'm doing y'all a favor, right? I'm giving y'all a reason to get up, get off the couch. Leave, you know what I'm saying? Get, get, you know, get off social media, whatever. And it's like, that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, because come to find out, there were some type of systems error and some types of issues with the amount of, I forget the proper term, we'll just call it bandwidth for all intents and purposes that they were able to show people tweets and get them to refresh and do all this and do all that. So basically, part of Twitter did collapse and they had some issues with some stuff they were trying to do. And so they lied, right? Little smoke screen, little, little lie real quick, whatever. But this, this is where the pendulum swings the opposite direction. Because in the chaos of Twitter doing what it's doing, bah, 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 threads and spill show up. And spill, and when we say spill, S-P-I-L-L, right, is an app that basically showed up to be like, you know what, Black people, if you are sick and tired of Twitter being crazy, being weird, being chaotic, and now going out, you got a place you can go. So... Now we have a black Twitter alternative. Now this mystical place that has always existed, like literally the phrase and term black Twitter has made it into credible news outlets, right? The phrase is being used in talking about and discussing elections and talking about uh, civil rights movements that have happening, have been happening and social movements that have been happening contemporarily. It's, it's, the, reason why, it's the reason why Twitter was now being criticized for being too woke, right? Exactly. Like Elon Musk uniquely had beef with black Twitter uniquely. It pushes so. pop culture, right? It pushes right. pop culture. So now this kind of metaphysical place in the corner of the internet on this one particular site that has gained prominence now has a physical space that exists. It's real. It's material. And so Spill has been introduced, ironically enough, by two uh, former Twitter employees who I believe got fired during the mass exodus and, and, and change over at Twitter. And their names are uh, Alfonso Fons Terrell and Devaris Brown, uh, who have uh, started the app, have designed it to be uh, an app that is Black-centered. Uh, but I will say one of the, the app owners, and I don't remember which one it was, but it came out and made a video when, when Spill first dropped to clarify that it's an app for everybody. 
right? Everybody's allowed or invited, but black people are very much the gatekeepers feel like, nah, y'all stay our asses over there. Um, they have so far scared the shade room up out of there. Um, they're a space that very muchly focuses on no uh, problematic, toxic, negative behavior. So it's a very uh, forwardly and outwardly accepting place for queer people, for black people, for disabled people, for uh, poor people, for people who, fat, fat people, for homeless, houseless people, just people. Right, black people who want to come together and have a place to gather without having to deal with the same toxicity that was happening against us and from our own people, even some of the time, over on platforms like Twitter and other places, right? So that's kind of the mindset behind it. Is it supposed to be a feel good time? Uh, what parts of the article are you kind of highlighting right now that you want to talk about in terms of what you learned about Spill? Um, outside of you know a lot of the stuff that you kind of outlined, like who they were. This is an article in Time uh, about the uh, about the app. Uh, one thing that they pointed out in a interview that they did with Afrotech was that Spill was built around creating safety for diverse communities, which the founders have referred to as culture drivers, like pretty much like identifying how uh, uh, pretty much identifying how uh, uh, like uh, the people from diverse communities is, is what is really what pushes a lot of the content that we see on social media. Um then they also pointed out, let me go down. They also pointed out that uh, that all around, they working with a diverse set of developers who they say are programming artificial intelligence on the platform to monitor abuse or hate against communities of color. Um, mm. uh, a specific quote from Afrotech is that it's, they said, uh, everybody who's in black Twitter or any of these other communities knows that it's powered by black women. Setting all the trends and all of that is a part of that, but also getting way more hate than any other group. It's actually insane when you actually look at it statistically. And then just any marginalized group, if you're queer, you're in certain historically targeted group overseas, it's awful mm -hmm. to be online and be on social. That's what one of the founders uh, told Afrotech. What um, I think is extremely interesting to point out here is that you, we finally have somebody that's running and developing a platform admitting that the trends, the energy, the language, the vibe, mostly come from black women, right? Yeah. The, like the, the language, like even the fact that even the concept of spilling tea, right, is this, this is uniquely black women shit. Well, let's, 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 I want to be clear because I don't want to box out. I think we have to be honest about where that language, language comes from because the spilling tea is actually, and I was going to get to this in terms of these diverse communities that they're attempting to make space for, is actually very much the black queer phraseology black gay man phraseology if we're being honest right it has infiltrated much like our shit does even from the deepest of corners in our community has found its way into mainstream conversation um but that is language and phraseology and from the lexicon of black queer folk uh, particularly bl uh, black gay men right and so it's important to say that while we're talking about spill i want to know in the comments have y'all heard about the app are you on it are you interested in it Tell us in the comments while we keep kind of kind of talking about the app real quick. Have you heard about Spill? Has it does it attract your attention? Are you already on there? What's the vibe? Because I got a, I have an account. Uh, the plug ain't got no account. The plug got a Threads account. We gonna talk about what's going on with that in a minute. But that's what's going on with that. Um, I want to. Well, and now 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 before before I get yeah, you know, I want to be on Spill. I don't have an iPhone. So for those of y'all who don't know, it's beta testing. 
It's beta testing. So it's it's really brand. It's new booty out here. Um, and so I think it's only they sent out an initial one hundred and fifty thousand, and it's invite only. So in order to even be on the app right now to kind of engage in some of that energy, you have to be invited. And we yeah. actually have a few of those. Okay, so let, let, and before we get to the, the invites we have, the last thing I want to say about the Black Queer stuff is that the whole app is designed around the concept and the analogy of tea. So instead of like buttons, they're little teacups. And the teacup <laughs> is empty when you don't like something. And when you like a post, the teacup fills up. Right. So that's one of the thematic things that they have there with T. Another interesting kind of design uh, feature of the app for Spill is uh, your, you know, every every app has like a this is everybody's kind of trending conversations or comments. And then over here is uh, like the people you follow. They call the kind of collective timeline fresh tea. And then they call the timeline that you follow with all the people that you follow or whatever, my brew, right? So you can go get fresh tea or you can get your brew, right? What you've chosen to take in and watch and pay attention it's to. All, it's all tea themed. It's all tea themed. <laughs> um, then for the likes, um, it says, if somebody likes what you say, they say somebody like your spill. Um, or if somebody, uh, for example, there's no retweeting. Right, they got a whole different language for the process of replicating a post that already exists, and so they call it uh, quoting your spiel. They quoted your spiel, so it's a lot of uh, cute things happening over there. If you're wondering, they have threads, ironically, so you can post multiple posts that are all connected together the same way you can on uh, Twitter. They also have you can post gifs, you can post uh, videos, you can post pictures, all that. So all those features are still there. Uh, I haven't found where the DMs are. They imply that they exist, but I don't think any. <laughs> they're like there are no DMs, but I actually like it. Somebody was like, "I'm happy ain't no DMs on Spill because if you like it, if you like me, say it with your chest, nigga. Don't try to jump in no DMs. Put it on eh, the timeline. Like eh. shoot it, eh, eh, shoot it, right? But a lot of interesting features going on with the app. Uh, a lot of stuff that you might want to try out. So let's see. Uh, Tyler said Tyler heard about threads, and then Tiffany said it's my first time hearing about it. But I'm and I'm interested, but I don't have an iPhone either. So that means you don't have to wait, right? Which is unsurprising because y'all Android people just always seem to be. But stay patient. I gotta work around. I gotta work around. So I'm I'm gonna get to I'm gonna get to to spill here soon. But I gotta work around. You found a more logical person's iPhone, um, and you're using it for access, and we'll just leave it at that. I said I gotta work around. Yeah. Uh, put it to you like this because I don't think and it, it, I, so. Let's go back to these invites we got. Right. Um, I don't think I don't know y'all y'all nobody has said they want an invite yet. So I'm gonna put this out in the air for anybody listening who watches it later, who uh listens to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you are interested in spill and you want an invite, send us a DM over at the IG, um at Chop Up at the Chop Up Show. At the Chop Up Show. Send us a DM over on Instagram at the Chop Up Show. Um, or drop it in the comments over here. Right, like if you're watching this episode and you, you know, are like, yeah, I, I want that. I want to see what spill is about. Drop it in the comments, and we'll slide you an invite so y'all can keep uh, tapped in. You know, the Tyler's team Android with the rest of y'all. You keep your cloud. <laughs> you don't get to choose. You know what I'm saying you don't get to choose. So go ahead and use your little phone with your, you know, different color backgrounds and all of your, 
you know, you could put the picture of the person you texted in the background and you invite all that little extra stuff you get to do with your little phone. Pack. Yeah. Look, you know look, we saying? have we 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 have our advantages, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh for all y'all iPhone users and y'all wanna get caught y'all really wanna, you know, get in early with all this beta testing, we got some uh we have some invites. So uh really y'all contact us to let us know if y'all want them things. We got a few of them to offer. And then you get I think you get three or four um once you once you sign up or whatever. So y'all let us know if y'all wanna get on there. We wanna help people get on there because I think um we see a huge difference between the popularity that we see with Spiel and then what we have with uh the response to Spiel. Or not not necessarily mm-hmm. Spiel, but the the Facebook response to Twitter, which is this this new stuff, threads. 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 Um, which is I'm not really I like I said, I ain't really a Twitter person, but I've been on threads today, testing it out, playing around with it. You feel me? It it, it it's literally just Twitter that's connected to your Instagram. Uh and so it it's it, everybody that you follow on Instagram, you know, everybody that you that that follows you on Instagram, they just gonna try to reconnect y'all. Pretty much, because like when I signed up, it was just like, yeah, follow everybody that you already follow, on. and it's like, yeah, so it, and it's all connected. Uh, but what people, what people recently found out is that if you want to get rid of your Threads account, <laughs> you hey, gotta get, you gotta get rid of your Instagram. So like that shit is like like soul tied. Your your Threads account and your Instagram account are soul tied uh, to one another. And when once Threads popped. Like what? Soon as soon as it dropped, they had like what three million, uh, uh, uh people that signed up, three million users, which in like, cause it's only been out for like a day or so. It dropped yesterday, yeah. Yeah, um, and you know it it, it has that many. You know what I mean? That's that that's that meta Mark Zuckerberg push. Um, uh, mm-hmm. and really, and if you look at it and you own it and you scroll through it, it's really just and it ain't even clever, right? Cause think about it, threads, threads. That's already what you call a bunch of tweets tied together. They're threads. Then really, when you post something, it's just a post. A repost is just a repost. There's nothing clever about it. Like even the tweets and the retweets, it's like it's a it's a step backwards. Like we're going to make it even more simple version of Twitter and just just call it exactly what these things are. This is a thread. I'm starting a thread by putting this out here. But three million. (laughs) <laughs> three million. I'm with you, three million, and I don't plan to participate. I have no plan. Uh, I, um, but that's how that's how I feel about iPhone. So I'm I'm not even trying to. I ain't even trying to hear that. So you you can be your contrarian where you want to choose to be your contrarian. But no, but no, I'm not being the contrarian. The reason why I'm not getting on threads is for kind of the reason that Jay Universe talked about in the comments. Not to what I think it's great of an extent. Well, I don't know to what extent uh, Jay Universe is on social media, but I'm tired of social media. Y'all realize we are the social media generation. So I, to jump on another app, like it's wild. Like I just, I can't. Um, and I've been saying this, but I see, we see, okay. So Facebook is the long form with the big pictures and your grandma and your auntie and your auntie and them and the people you went to church with and somebody you work with that you get to express yourself. You get on Instagram, you express yourself through pictures, videos, and now reels. They forced that on us, right? Then you get on TikTok <laughs> and you express yourself through videos. And then you get on Twitter and you express yourself through words, but you follow the same people on every single one of those platforms. And that's because everybody just gravitates to them and just says the same shit. So like, 
what's up, right? That, yeah. Social media has completely nullified the need for things like uh, uh, high school reunions, meeting up with family after not seeing them or old friends for a long time. Because I saw it all somewhere at some point <laughs> on some medium. What so are you doing? It's, I can't. But I think it's, I mean, to be honest, I think at this point, like, this is, you know how people talk about the crabs being in a bucket? You complaining about, we complaining about already being captured. We're talking about the circumstances of being captured. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Social media, we were already hooked. So now when we're talking about, uh, it started, this is the new media. Like when Twitter became the place where people got their news. When the news started breaking tweets, like this is, you got to understand it, that, 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 that invasion, that connection. Oh, but you, it's it, you being tired of social media. You and Jay universe. I being tired of social media. Buckle up, buckle up because, because now, because think about it. We just talked about spill, right? We just talked about spill. So now it's not, it's no, it, it, it's not that we tired of social media. We tired of the, these spaces. So really, we want we want social media though that we that that we more fuck with that we more reflect with because it's like at the end of the day this is what media looks like now it's di- it's we we are directly connected to it we can make a TV show right now we are doing a TV show on YouTube no big contract or whatever but this is what we able to do it because this is how. Like this is the this is what media is nowadays. We all have access to be able to put out content like this, and so this is the like this the future. Thread even that's why Threads is in both Thread and Spill and any other type of competitor to Twitter got to understand that why should Twitter like uh, uh, monopolize this market the way that it does? Like no, let's let's break news on Spill. Let's break news in all these other places. Like that it, that's just what it is. Can I give you like this this thought process that I just went on as you talked about everything that you just did? And it's kind of better, so stay with me. It's kind of big, and then I'm going to give it back to you. Well, I'm um, working with you. Have, the Let's walk together. Right? Yes. Thank you. Well, Terry with me, my brother. Um, when the pandemic hit, <laughs> um, we experienced a lot, just in, a mega increase of seeing ourselves. Yes. Right? And uh, being on cameras and being on Zoom. And a lot of people fell in love with the little box as opposed to the box where everybody else was because they are just, we're enamored with seeing ourselves on screens. And so I think what we learned from that uh, and what I was understanding from a psychological standpoint, I forget what study I read or news report, but it was like psychologically, the human brain was never made to see its image so often to Mm. the point that us constantly seeing ourselves created changes psychologically and emotionally collectively with how we understand ourselves how we understand seeing people on screens how we relate to that that reflection because think about mirrors you don't sit in them all day you check it and then you go right you see your reflection in small moments but never for extended amounts of times like you see this so i dare to believe that between social media being what it is the advent of the pandemic and how that increased not only our seeing ourselves on Zoom, but also just the amount of social media we was taking in because we didn't have shit else to do. Mm-hmm. Us as a society have changed and shifted. Well, we had other shit to do. We did have other shit to do. But we just chose no. social media. But we had other shit to do. We chose social media. But go ahead. But we, we clung to Point still. Media. Right. right. 
and, and so I feel like psychologically, like and collectively, it has changed how we understand reality. I mean, we know these things, but I think that is the explanation we have for why these apps keep popping up, why they end up being so popular, why we cannot be satiated by just having one. Mm -hmm. Right. And why they've evolved in the ways that they have is that we have psychologically come to a place where we validate so much of reality through screens that these mediums will continue. Like because no, everybody's not like a, a, a web developer. I can't say that this is a one to one relationship or ratio, but I feel like the increased creation of social media platforms is almost like the proliferation of podcasts. Right. Like it's just more and more and more like and I, it's just like they're everywhere now. So. I'm very subscribe to the chop up show. Subscribe to the chop up show. Fascinated um, with why so many, but we've gone through every wave, every single wave from AOL Messenger to MySpace to Black Planet to and if shout out to my uh, Afro Latinos out there, Mi gente. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, never heard of that. Yeah, I ain't never heard of that. That was like the, the Latino Black Planet, if you know, you know. Uh, then of course Facebook. You know, I was in. I used to have to have an invite to get. Toya out. actually gave me my first. And oh. Toya, the reason why I'm on social media, she gave oh. me my Facebook invite. So there we go. Let's see where I posted where literally like the selfie was something that was fully embraced <laughs> like like it was what like oh like now we can just is it somewhere to just post pictures that you take of yourself please <laughs> so this was before back camera so you had to flip your phone around and really kind of get a good angle and try to go for it right or put it in the mirror boom boom flip phone mirror for picture <laughs> this is what creates the fatigue right like this is what creates the like where are we really going with this and the dragging my feet Cause I don't want we we don't want to miss out. We don't want yeah, to. I, That's my biggest fear is aging myself before it's time, and sitting out. And I already do it so much. People are like, what do you listen to, y'all? I break take the break to y'all. I don't listen to music like that. And when I do, I guarantee, if I told y'all what I was listening to, you'd be like, you got it. I'll take the right. Bluetooth. I'll go ahead and play things, whatever. So a lot of stuff, I just don't be caring about. I got time to get into a lot of the shows. I try, but nah, so you know what? I think. So yeah, I just, I just, I thoroughly believe that, like media. Period. Whether it was you know going all the way back on when they was putting shit on cave on cave walls to today, this is just the nat. This uh, this progress is natural. This yeah. this shit was just gonna happen when TVs, when radios and TVs and that type of shit started to dominate the homes. This shit was gonna happen. Media is an institution. And as we, we, we don't look at it the same way we look at like banking and we don't look at the same way we look at it like government and we don't look at the same way we look at it like economics. But the media itself is an institution that has the same influence and the same power as all as if not more than the banking system. Media influences how we see the banking system. Media influences what we know about the banking system, what access we get to the banking system, period. And what, what the, the, the power of social media is people like Mark Zuckerberg or, or even even, you know, uh, Jeff, Jeff Bezos, Amazon founder, is they, they was like, you just do it. Mm -hmm. Like, why create a medium 
to you know do all these other things like sell things or why create a medium to create media when people could just give you what they want and then y'all can choose whether or not y'all want to watch it like it share it and do all these things that you do with it so this this is this is just really just kind of like the natural evolution of this institution that we know is media the issue is that as black people we haven't had uh, I, I, just like we, just like we haven't had the control in in government, or we haven't had the influence in in economics and education, we ain't mm-hmm. had that influence in in, in the media. And, and the media, in and of itself, is is like the uh, is is what kind of deploys the images that we end up suffering from. You feel me? The media is responsible for uh, like how we end up, how we perceive, how people understand who we are, and a part of it is because we don't have our own institutions within it. That's why people like Byron Allen, or even the conversation around Bill Cosby and him buying CBS. That was powerful to people because what would it mean for a black man to own uh, a broadcasting station that is responsible for you know what I'm saying? like the images? That, that we end up taking in so we we get the social media and we see damn like like you said we not our, our brains aren't built for that but damn it we like it like we yeah. the dopamine that we get like the rush that we get from getting likes and and the lows that we because like as as uh, as as up-and-coming content creators i'll be the first nigga to tell you like engagement literally it impacts it impacts our mood like this is how crazy social media is like a part of the reason why I, I, you know, some people, even like people like myself, don't don't go ham because I don't like my mood being impacted by shit I can't control. You know what I'm saying? And whether or not somebody like this, like 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 this video or like this, you know what I'm saying, this tweet or like this thread or whatever, I I, I don't give a fuck if y'all think it's this shit is fly. This shit is good. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's a problem with the algorithm and everything else that's trying to get attached to it. So. I think I think what we need to focus more on is again we dealing with the reality of this institution of media and so we need to embrace the black versions of it's just like black businesses like it's just like black people need to have a better relationship with with building black institutions and then like mm-hmm. shit like the spill or <laughs> shit like spill. <laughs> Yo, I told you. I'm now. I gotta tell on you. I told this man don't get out here signing white pop all talking about the spill. The spill. What I tell you, it's not called the Twitter, it's not called the Facebook, it's not called the Instagram. So why would it be called the spill? I we talked about it, but okay. It's just it's just as grammatically correct, but whatever. Uh but but platforms like Spill, right? It's modern shit. Um these are these can be institutions, the way that Facebook is an institution, right? It's an industry leading an industry dictating, determining institution. Shit, mm-hmm. let's get that energy. Let's give that energy to spill. Like shit, like spill. And and people, you know what I mean, they're trying to they're trying to build like similar platforms because if three million yeah. people can hop on threads like that, why can't we develop that same orientation um, and that same commitment to being like, okay, new social media? Yeah, that's that's not the best thing for people to just jump on immediately. But if they if they if they mind is gonna do that. Can we can can it do can it do so in a way that you know what I'm saying builds those platforms? So um yeah. from from your perspective, Toya, you what what do you think gets in the way of us developing these orient like uh, that more um supportive orientation towards things like spill? I think black people drive cool, but they still want to be cool. And I've talked about this before in relationship. Like I think even when 
uh, what was the name of the app? And I keep forgetting it and you keep having to remind me of it. Uh, the voice app where you can leave voice messages or talk on the phone. And that was popular. <laughs> Clubhouse with your old ass. Right? Clubhouse. We were like, you know, checking out the Clubhouse train. And the shifts over there got really weird. They got just as toxic. It was people saying wild shit. They were saying in tweets just out loud. So it was very homophobic, very problematic. They were having like mm. moaning contests over there. Shit got really fucking weird. Like, and it was like, what are we <laughs> What are we really doing here? Like everything, it ain't need. It don't need to be LLC Twitter or LLC. Uh, yeah. Business patriarchal family should like. Let's have a good time. Let's laugh. Let's tell mm. jokes. Let's take conversations that are happening in in the world and and take them to the next level and do all that cool stuff. But just don't be weird about it. And I think the barrier is what drives cool is still to be in the mainstream, right? This is like the classic Lupe fiasco, common. Uh, Erica Badu, uh, Music Soul Child, Jill Scott, like you fire, but because of the general substance, the consciousness that kind of comes with it, you're not yeah. never really gonna make as much money as a Jay Z, as a Beyonce, as a Rihanna. As a you're not, you're not gonna get as much recognition. People ain't gonna exactly, care as much. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's a shame, but that really is how it is. And so I don't even want to make a uh, spill that. I don't want to overcharacterize it as this conscious, elevated spell. Like, I don't, don't even want to give it that baggage because it's just niggas being niggas. It's a funny, crazy stuff of happening over there, too. But uh, I'm giving it. I'm, 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 I'm putting it on there. Yeah, I'm I'm putting it on there. I mean, I'm I, I do think, though, I do think that, like, if, if we willing to say that small actions uphold, like, the larger racist, misogynist, patriarchal, elitist class you know what i'm saying like all of these if the little shit that we do create and sustain the foundations that oppress us then these mm-hmm. little actions like like all like together like a bunch of these little actions should also be like have that same type of revolutionary potential so it's mm-hmm. like literally thinking about like voting for obama because he was black i thoroughly believed in that shit right because how often how easy is it for people to just believe in blackness it's not it's not. You believed in what? Wait a minute. You said wait, 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 wait. Listen, 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 listen. I, people, what? people who, people who felt that people who decided to only vote for Obama because he was black. Um, people, so not you. People. <laughs> I lived in Oklahoma. Like I lived in Oklahoma. I lived in Oklahoma. We're not talking about you. We're talking about people who actually voted for Barack Obama. Yes. Keep going. People who actually voted for Barack Obama either time. Uh, Anyway, the people who chose to vote for there was criticism. Like people was like, "Why would you only vote for him because he's black? Why would you only be because? Damn it! You know how hard it is to get a bunch of people to support some black shit just on the basis because it's black. Do you know how hard that is? Like people just being like, "Oh, it's black. I'm with it. Fuck his policy. Fuck everything else." Are there issues that come with that? A little bit. It's a little bit. But to but to literally dismiss all of the and then even after for Obama to have the legacy that he has, yes, you got some woke niggas, you got some hotep niggas, you got some internet niggas, you Twitter niggas that'll step back and be like, you know, man, fuck Obama. I mean, I'm I I, I consider myself I have I have these criticisms of Obama, but within black communities, his legacy is airtight. That nigga on yeah. it's pictures of him. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. It's a rap. 
And it's and it's pictures of Obama and Jesus. It's a rap. <laughs> right? So yes, support spill because it's black. Fuck it. Yeah, it do. Will, will, is it some bugs? Yes, it's beta. Is this gonna mm. be some shit that's gonna annoy you? Is it not gonna look the bad? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. You know what I'm saying? Is it is it your blackness? Do you use language like spill and other shit? No, maybe not. But it's black. Yeah. And it's, it's so working like, to the benefit of, and, and it's working to the benefit and openness of black people. Yeah. What'd you say? I said, and it's positive. I mean, so why not support it? And it's positive. So why not? Just, no. Um so let's move to the with, next. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Cause like I, it's black support. Now, hold on, I gotta say this too before we move to the next part. I gotta say this too: supporting shit because it's black does not mean you support things that are against black people because it's black people doing it. For example, you don't support black conservatism because it's because it's black because conservatism works to the detriment of blackness. So you're working against your own interests. But some shit like spill that's saying. Hey, like this is a diverse platform for like thoughts and people that that are that every people should be able to come here and feel comfortable and engage in this shit and not have to feel like it's a bunch of racists in my comment section. You know what I mean? I want to be clear too that a lot of people, after seeing the spill creators' message about it being a space of inclusivity and not no toxic no toxicity, and then being willing to remove you from the space if you come with that type of energy, so just like don't bring the bullshit over here. A lot of people came running back to Twitter like, hell no, nah, I ain't joining that shit. Like, they over there on some gay pride shit. They over there on that queer shit. They over there, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I don't want nothing to be a part of that. When, bro, that's not what you were told. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can come over and have your own opinion and your own perspective. You just need to be able to articulate it in a way that doesn't threaten the sanctity of the peace that has been created for black queer people. If you can't do that, then you need to get off the, you need to get off the internet. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Get the platform. Get off the internet. And so yeah. that was a whole lot of kind of some of the backlash of people getting a taste of, of spill and turning back around and going back to Twitter being like, you know, I'm going to just go down with the ship, which I am too, right? I'm going to keep my Twitter until it don't work no more. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to just be on spill too. That's how I'm moving. So feel how you want to feel about it. But a lot of people was like, I'm about to let no gay niggas and women and black women tell me what I can and can't say about how I feel about shit. Then peace. Then peace. I mean, be, like, think about that. Before we move on, think about that. This is the last thing I'm going to say before we move on. If you got a problem because a traditionally marginalized and oppressed group is telling you that the language, the rhetoric, the attitudes, and ideologies that are responsible for oppressing us as, as groups, we not letting that shit fly. Your problem ain't with the app and the group itself. It's with you wanting to be somewhere where you can be offensive and oppressive and be a dickhead. That's it. I don't feel. I don't. I don't feel sorry for those people. I don't feel sorry for those people. You know, movement making in a socially collaborative sense, like in a very physical sense, is hard to envision because look, over an app, in the face of an app or Elon Musk world, people will pick Elon Musk world to go exist in solely without given the things by people are creating a chance. And that is exactly reflective of the thought process and logic that doesn't let us come together on a black agenda, right? right. This isn't like a real time. It's a demonstration of why it's really hard for black people to collectivize, to tell presidents and senators and legislators what we want. Y'all niggas can't even, you know, can't even get on the app together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's wild, but we can digress. All right. So moving on, uh, get into the next part of the conversation. 
Um, there has been some backlash to the affirmative action ruling that we dealt with last week um, with the Supreme Court ruling that affirmative action in uh, affirmative action based on race in higher education is considered unconstitutional. Um, mm-hmm. And this this was uniquely dealing with uh, a case in Harvard and da, 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 I forget the other I forget the other school, but Harvard specifically. Mm-hmm. Who? Princeton. I think Harvard for sure, though. Harvard, Harvard for sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Harvard for sure. Uh, and so what's happened from that, though, is that when I, mean, I think is that a lot of people's pointing out that's extremely interesting is that when we say when they say that they ban affirmative action, that what, what they're arguing is that not not actually. They didn't ban affirmative action. They banned race-based affirmative action, but affirmatively acting to create space for other groups is still something that takes place. And what they're referring to at Harvard is, um, what they're referring to with Harvard is things like legacy admissions and staff admissions. Legacy admissions specifically, because there is a a big issue with people feeling like, yo, y'all doing all of this, like against a an oppressed group of people, but making sure that y'all still got space for people who like literally come from extremely privileged backgrounds. And so, what we have out of that is um, a, a, a advocacy a advocacy group uh, act that's actually suing to get rid of legacy admissions in Harvard. Um, it's it's re- it's specifically a advocacy group in Boston. They they're you. actually a connection. I think the the group of attorneys, I think it's called Lawyers for Civil Rights or something like that. And they are a group of lawyers who has come together from three different organizations. That article um did a good job of talking about uh like a black organization of Boston. I forget their specific name, but like this black group that's in Boston, uh, and then two Latin American groups that yeah, are up so- there in like the northeast region. Yeah, so it's the Chica Project, the mm-hmm. African Community Economic Development of New England, and the Greater Boston Latino Network. Absolutely. And so uh, it was filed on all of their behalf. Um, and essentially, what they're arguing is what they're saying right here. Why are we rewarding children for privileges and advantages accrued by prior generations? Um, said Ivan Espinosa Mazdigal. And the only reason I know how to pronounce that is because of a Disney movie, unfortunately. Yes, yes, yes. Actually, no, that's a good thing. Diversity, that's why it's good to have representation because I can now pronounce a name that I wouldn't have been typically, typically exposed to. So um, that's diversity in action. Your family's <laughs> last name and the size of your bank account are not a measure of merit and should have no bearing on the college admissions process, which is a fair characterization of what's taking place. If we're literally saying that, or excuse me, not we, but if they're literally saying that it's unconstitutional to make spaces for black people because we know that traditionally black people have been excluded from these types of spaces, then we shouldn't be doing things to... Uh, make space for people who clearly come from a background with a lot of advantages. It says here that a, 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 go ahead, Toya, before I, I read the next part of it. Well, I was going to say, and this is particularly true in a world where affirmative action was introduced to be a counterbalance to the presence of lag, legacy uh, uh, admissions in the first place. So if you take out one counterbalance, you kind of have to regulate the other counterbalance or you have no counterbalance, right? So like when we think about the logic of introducing affirmative action, 
It's because y'all been cheating the system. And now you roll back the protection from the cheating. Now you just get to cheat, cheat freely. No ma'am, no right. ham. No sir, no thank you. Instead, then we're going to go ahead and take swipes at what gives you a competitive advantage. One of the lines that I appreciated out the article is the most is that if they were to win these challenges and the uh, uh, legacy admissions are to be denied on these campuses, you will start to see black enrollment increase because now truly merit-based admissions will be going back to and you will start to have to discover and tap into a lot of the underrated black and brown talent that exists mm-hmm. but is constantly denied because those seats are being given up to legacy admissions. Right, so if you don't want to get it through uh, through affirmative action, they're saying this lawsuit will then create an influx in those applicants and those acceptances because look at the test scores, look at the uh, the the uh, statements, look at the GPAs. It's gonna be more fair. It's gonna be more fair. Like yeah. it, the fact that they run around that we that we know the phrase is not what you know is who you know. Mm-hmm. Like that phrase that alone speaks to merit means what. It, it's like who can you who can you schmooze right who, who who can you get in contact with? So you have this suit that's taking place in New England, but there are also there's also a separate campaign according to the LA Times um, that is alerting alumni of thirty prestigious colleges to withhold donations until their schools and legacy admissions. That initiative led by the advocacy group Ed uh, Ed Mobilizer, which I'm assuming is Education Mobilizer, also mm. targets. Harvard and other Ivy League schools. So, like, there's literally a, a request of, of people saying, like, "Hey, if you spending a lot of money with these groups, and like you you are upset about what we see from the Supreme Court, hold your bread, right? Tell them." But I think a, a problem with that type of uh, with that type of demand, though, is that those big donors want their kids to be able to go to these schools, regardless of whether or not. They, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, and and it's and it's difficult to have this conversation because it's just like we want to, because we want to do the same thing for black people. Now we we oppress, but we want to make sure that like, hey, if you black, you get a chance, right? Like, you that's need, this. No, you need nepotism. If you don't have that, if they don't have nepotism, then they don't really have a, a meaningful or strategic way to prove that they deserve their space. So they have to have something. Generational wealth comes in more forms than just money. Right, they have to have something to pass social to capital, from, political capital, yeah, exactly to breadcrumb their kids in the event that they are ill equipped, unprepared, or unqualified. <laughs> right. So, the roles that exist, it's just like I, I need a way, so yeah. I can't, you know, give you a job, but I can give you freedom to the ability to determine your dictator, your future. And this is after I've paid for you to go to the best school and pay for you to have the best tutors and have access to giving you the best test prep and things like that. I really want to seal the deal by making sure you get to stroll on to what campus you want with no restrictions and no questions about your presence there. Uh, now, I, I posted something about uh, affirmative action and I got uh, idiots commenting about, oh, you know, uh, legacy admissions aren't even that big of a deal. Legacy admissions aren't, you know, that big of a factor. And it's like one, right, one, right, because like one, if 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 it's not that big of a deal, right, then it shouldn't be no problem not having it. Second, regardless of how many spots are are, are made, they're reserved, regardless of merit. That's the issue. If we're making an argument about merit, they're reserved regardless of merit. But we do have some numbers where Associated Press survey of the nation's most selective colleges. So this is, you know, this is the this, the good schools, as they are called, um, found that legacy students in freshman class range from 4% to 23% at four schools, Notre Dame, 
USC, Cornell, and Dartmouth, legacy students outnumbered black students. At these four schools, at Notre Dame, USC, Cornell, and Dartmouth, legacy students outnumbered black students, right? So that means that they that they had more seats set aside and got nothing to do with merit because what they what they don't understand is that even the black students that that uh, that they do make spaces for that shit competitive. Right. You feel me? Like you can't be you can't you can't have an average GPA and get a uh, get get an affirmative action spot. You know what I mean? Like they because it's it's what a lot. What what has been the the, the classic? piece of advice that you give to any black child trying to succeed and thrive what do we learn in debate you have to practice three times as hard you have to figure out your arguments and what your scholarship says and what your research says and the arguments you're trying to make you got to read the judges and figure out what they're trying to hear but also worry about if they are white supremacists or anti-black as hell or just don't like your ass or don't like your coach or don't like what you're talking about or don't like the other niggas and how they debate so they're gonna take it out on you then you got to think about your opponents and match their skill sets and match how they trying to read and match how they trying to talk and match the shit that they've been to. You got to read their shit too and make it all make sense, right? So that is our little corner of the world. But that example that you see of having to work 10 times as hard to get half as far sometimes. And and what I think is, what I think is super fucked up about USC is that it's in the hood. <laughs> yeah. In the USC <laughs> is in the smack dab in the hood. In the like, heart. And it's more legacy USC students than it is black kids. Like that's crazy. Like, like, like that's like that's wild. So, uh, it's it's extremely important that we have these types of efforts, right? This type of pushback, um, and that we see and take place. So, you know, if y'all anybody involved with y'all alumni program, alumni association, see what they talk about, see what they getting into to see if you know if if they are a part of these schools being called out because. Yeah, I mean, like this type of shit take numbers. What you was about to say to you? Well, I mean, just that, you know, as we kind of push through some of the rest of this conversation, we see that the backlash doesn't stop there, right? Because affirmative, affirmative action happens and we take away or repeal affirmative action out of higher education. Then the backlash occurs when we have Latino and Black students banding and coalitioning together to have lawsuits against uh, legacy admissions. But now let's swing it the other way in this tennis match of nonsense because conservatives are not, are not done yet. Republicans are not finished. Instead, as the title of the article implies, now they're ready to buckle in and start attacking these minority scholarships and grants that are provided by the federal government or by probably by a, a, a litany of organizations. And they're going to say, if you are a federally funded institution, you cannot accept money from people who are focusing on or, or predicating their award disbursement on race. So what does that mean for the uh, scholarships you get from Greek organizations or community organizations uh, or historically black organizations that have always done work to make sure black students get accepted in the programs or use affirmative action in their programming, right? In their approach to looking at applicants, they might have affirmative action. They're not an institution. They're not a college. They're not banned from using affirmative action to make those types of decisions. But what happens if it's found out that the money that they are dispersing is used through those processes, right? And so give some background on the legal battle that is starting to take shape now that this Supreme Court decision has been made. What do you know about that? So um, what we are seeing is a the speaker of the Wisconsin State Assembly uh, was responding to a tweet. Some conservative asshole, Dan Lennington, 
Um, I didn't pointed out how the in the in the Supreme Court decision said eliminating racial discrimination means eliminating all of it. Now I want to point out that affirmative action was actually a response to fixing the disparities created by uh, racial discrimination, which means that when white people use terms, when or excuse me, conservative whites specifically use terms like racial discrimination, they, they have no idea what the fuck they are talking about. Uh, but in doing so. This uh, uh, Dan Lennington identified minority undergraduate grants or things like minority scholarships and pointed out how those are also discriminatory against white individuals. And so uh, the Speaker of the Wisconsin State Assembly, Robin Voss, implied that he'll soon work to ban grants designated for minority undergraduate students. Voss took it upon himself to respond to a tweet asserting a scholarship program for black, indigenous, Hispanic, and other minority students were equivalent to discrimination. Again, what happens when we are pushing back against oppression oppressors feel like they are being attacked when you are pushing back against racism racists feel attacked so all of these efforts to give minority scholarships are 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 efforts that are identify the role race plays and who gets what opportunities and they attempt to fix it it's really not that hard yeah and so the idea that minority scholarships, right, are, are are considered discriminatory to to white people, it, I mean, it, at at this point, at this point, it's like now this that's why I look at it as smoke. I look at it like as like y'all won't like y'all are, are actually the the overt shit like all the shit we've been saying that we that like we were glad we we live in this is or I guess not we glad but like yeah the shit that we were saying we was glad about Trump. And the people mm-hmm. that come with Trump. It's like, okay, it's cool. We get that they don't like us. I now all y'all people that were saying, well, like, yeah, these are my favorite type of races because they they openly say that they don't like us. Yeah, now that openly saying that they don't fuck with us is now turning mm-hmm. into open efforts to do things to, to to make it harder for us, to push back mm-hmm. against our efforts to push back against them. Right? That's like that's the that that's what's now happening in response to uh, like niggas literally sitting back looking at Trump at like looking at the rise of MAGA Republicans, looking at the rise of Donald Trump and fixing their mouth to say, Well, I like these Republicans better because they at least tell you how they really feel. Yes. And the more they say it out loud, the more comfortable they feel to actually do things to shape the world in a way that is that is detrimental. You feel me? Yeah. Uh because before I get your thoughts to you. I, I want y'all to see how this Wisconsin speaker of the Wisconsin House, how not only he feels about affirmative action in these scholarships, but also DEI in general. Right. He said that we are reviewing the decision and will introduce legislation to, to correct the discriminatory laws on the books and pass repeals in the fall. Discriminatory laws refer to minority undergraduate grants. Voss has always opposed anything related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and even went as far as calling DEI programs at the University of Wisconsin as indoctrination. Anybody that understands DEI from like a, real, a serious standpoint, it's really about anti-racism. But saying things like anti-racism, saying things like anti-patriarchy, you feel me? Like people, these are buzzwords that people don't fully understand, so they respond a certain way to you use those terms. So when people saying DEI, they literally saying like, hey, all the fucked up attitudes that people have that we feel is normal, 
right? DEI is like, hey, that shit's not cool. That's really what it is, right? And so the indoctrination that they trying to say that that that's coming is the idea that that shit's not cool. What was you about to? <laughs> what you about Let to me say? get in there, man. Because here's what's going yeah. on my mind. A few weeks ago, we had an episode. We talked about the states in the United States that weren't safe for Black people. We know the NAACP said Florida, but we added like six other states to that list. And literally, right. when we were talking about uh, the, the what states were going to make the cut. We only negated or neglected to add Wisconsin to the list because the population of black people in the state is so damn low, right? Right, right that we didn't even feel like it was worth talking about how bad it is for niggas because that's a little bit more obvious because there are no black people there. And so you can imagine exist. you're gonna yep. have a hard time in Wisconsin. So I think it's just really ironic that they literally don't have any black people there, but. DEI efforts to include the black people they do and the black people who make the godforsaken decision to go to Wisconsin efforts to get them on that campus are uh, attempts to radicalize attempts to you know over to do too much attempts to change things in ways that are damaged like it wasn't no black people there to begin so how does having some type of quota some type of line that I, I, I dare to believe over 90% because in the face of affirmative action um, in the state of California them eliminating it since they eliminated it, when they had it, they didn't meet the quotas or the numbers that they wanted to have for Black applicants and Black acceptance rates. Since eliminating affirmative action, they still haven't met the the quota that other disparities have gotten worse. So listen, you're one. You want to hit the number anyway, but now you're just not trying, Wisconsin, right? Because there's no Black people in the state. Because you don't want to make no effort to bring Black people on your campuses or to attend the universities there. You wasn't going to meet the capital anyway, but you taking out these DEI programs and you falling into this whole, we don't want to take DEI money and scholarships means you you just not going to have shit. And that's what they want it to be. Very white, completely white. Don't come. Don't think about it. Don't get no roots here. Don't come here, fall in love. Don't come here and have no damn mixed kids. Don't do none of that shit in Wisconsin. <laughs> coming up to this campus. Don't come Hell, no, they don't want no damn mixed kids. Don't get accepted to a master's program, nigga. Just do not bring your ass. Don't bring here. your ass to Wisconsin. And and so they and, and this is how far they taking it. Voss and other Republicans in the state legislature voted to cut thirty two million from University of Wisconsin systems budget unless it agrees to allocate the money toward workforce development as opposed to DEI resources. The Republicans are also planning on doing away with nearly 200 DEI jobs on University of Wisconsin campuses. So mm -hmm. the efforts to challenge the bullshit that they own, they're just responding by saying, well, cool, we're just going to take money away from y'all unless y'all not do that shit. Right, yeah. and so we, so as 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 we've been as Toya pointed out, you have the efforts to get rid of DEI on college campuses, DEI jobs on college campuses, and like now we have a very concerted, very specific effort to do away with minority scholarships. And we know that once one state does it, it kind of sets the precedent for more for to create them type of challenges in more states. We definitely gonna see something like this in Texas. We're definitely because Texas didn't already. Got rid of like all uh, all they DEI shit. They got critical race theory bans and all that type of shit. Um, Florida in the same direction. So of course minority scholarships and those types of things are next. Now I I actually don't see those challenges being successful. I, it depends. It depends. It depends. Um, but to to go, go what you better say? No, go ahead. 
to cap off the uh, to cap off the conversation, the question that this leads us to though, and that that the speculation that's been cut co- that's been coming next is, okay, so they came for affirmative action, they they're coming for scholarships and mm-hmm. DEI. The next is that they come for HBCUs. That seems like the next logical pivot to me. And why do you think that's the next logical pivot? Uh, because they have an insatiable appetite for undoing all of the things that have been done to uh, affirm the civil rights and equal access and equitable opportunities that Black people and other eyes and marginalized people have had in this country. Right? I think you know, we saw a, a one of my favorite sports terms, right? When somebody is like going off from three or somebody has a great shooting percentage, they say they're putting on a clinic from the three-point line. <laughs> I think the Republicans put on a clinic for what it looks like to undo some shit somebody did when they had a test run on the Obama presidency, right? It really, mm-hmm. like piece by piece, thing by thing, really started to destabilize and take the teeth out of, if not completely eradicate, the significance of a lot of the progressive changes Obama tried to do, right? So I think that was just like a practice run for then and now larger attempts to undo bigger pieces of legislation um, that specifically impact marginalized people. And now they're going for the, 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 the goose and the gander. Maybe they want the Ruta and then the Tuta is now what they're focused on. And <laughs> I think we are can suspect, and again, don't know how successful, but can suspect that I think sites are going to be set on these specialized institutions that have created unique employment opportunities for Black people, that have created a unique scholarship opportunities for uh, Black people that, you know, provide an inequitable access. I think the percentage of white students at HBCUs is at like 11%. So depends on how they want to read that stat. Uh, but then we also know that you can't admit people who don't apply. So in the same ways that these institutions are missing Black enrollment because of the affinity for PWIs is the same reason why white kids ain't signing up and being down the door to go there. Okay, Unless you got this, get a good education from anywhere, you're going to stigmatize the black shit. And when something as high stakes as your education is on the line, you're going to take your ass to where the white people do it. You know what I'm saying? So to be they're honest, they're going to try to twist it and make it seem like there is something exclusionary about these institutions existing, especially in terms of the sheer numbers of students that they serve. And stupid white people are going to follow along with that logic and, and try to test the waters there is my prediction. So I, I look at it like this. I don't think HBCUs are safe. But before before I get into why HBCUs are safe, yeah. I first want to point out the contradiction. Um, if even if they even if they approach that shit, right? Because Donald Trump bragged yeah. about the bread that he gave to HBCUs. Right. Yeah. Bragged about it. Right. He I mean, even even his uh you know, his platinum plus plan, whatever. Talked about specifically what it would do in terms of getting money in black communities. And he did. He was talking about loans and shit. Um, mm-hmm. But still, you know, talking about giving money to black communities. So he's highlighting clearly a deficiency that he wants to solve for. Right. And so if you have people that want to complain and have issues with the exclusionary nature of HBCUs, then you would find it odd that somebody like Donald Trump would be bragging about giving money to those groups. And then you be bragging about it to say why he's better than Biden, Obama and, and whoever else. Yeah, right, yeah. At the, at, so at the end of the day, the it, 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 it's it's. I think it's something that will be brought up, but the reason why it's not going to happen is because one, white people can go to HBCUs. Like, it's like you said, whether it's 11%, 1%, whatever, there's no uh, policy that says 
only black people could go to HBCUs. That would be the only thing that would make it discriminatory. Yeah. Right. That that would be the only thing that would make it something to where white people would have a case. But so no, these are these are institutions that have very open policies and welcome white students. But the the culture, the background, the history of these institutions are are situated in black culture, black people, right? Black institutions. The same way the University of Mississippi, like uh or, or Ole Miss, any of them schools, mm. the back the, the culture, the basis of the culture is racism. The basis of the, I mean, and one, and this is why the racist brain and, and the, the privilege that it operate from is so dangerous is because they don't look at the internal biases that they have and the uncomfortability that they have with black people. And they think about how, how those, how those things play and how black people get accepted to those schools, how they treat it when they go to schools, what they got to deal with when they go to those schools, the right <laughs> dealing with the racism of the South. If a black kid say, hell no, I ain't going to no old miss. Like what they got? They still fly the rebel flag and and you know brag about the Confederacy. You're not gonna look at it and say, "Well, damn!" Like that's you know what I'm saying? that's not okay. You shouldn't have to feel like that. But saying that a black school that centered or a school that centered around black culture, right? If, if white students are choosing to not go to a school that centered around black culture, okay, that's fine. So yeah, go for it. No Period. So yeah, so there's it there's 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 no real argument. There's no real argument there. I mean, it'll be a rallying cry because black like right now we we are in the we are in the midst of a culture war that is uniquely centered around black intellectualism, black thought, what black people care for, you know, black history and black culture. Specifically though, like I'm saying, black intellectualism, black thought, black history, black culture. These things are caught are, are being wrapped up in what they call wokeness and CRT. That's what they referring to. They're using those buzzwords to refer to those things. So this this affirmative action thing is only a victory in 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 uh the battle against anti-racism. Right. And maintaining the unconscious biases that make it more difficult for more black kids to go to the Harvards, et cetera. Right. It's a victory in uh, systemic bias, institutional bias, all that shit, like how that shit get laid out. You feel Mm -hmm. me? And so I think that they'll use this as a jumping off point to, to look at things like we see. How they attacking scholarships They don't try to make the same argument with HBCUs But um, that shit gonna fall short They'll look bad doing that As long as white kids can go to HBCUs There's nothing There's no discrimination that's happening I don't know I think you know And for the same reasons they're gonna be able to say These are uh, dens of Confusion And you know Hornet's nest of liberal angst and communism and all types of shit and they're gonna be like you know that shit falls short though killing the wakeness uh, or wokeness we that means we have to start with where it emanates and that's what these i mean because i mean think about historically black intellectuals have been targeted now because of social media it's not a or just a few black intellectuals with a few avenues to get the message out to be assassinated, right? To be killed, to be targeted by the state. Now, if we really want to catch the black intellectuals, we got to, you know, rethink the strategy. We can't go assassinate all of them. So we take away where they get. Uh, uh, can't we just be killing niggas? You know what I'm saying? So now yeah. we have to go through there being radicalized, right? I think in a lot of places, HBCUs can be looked at as extremist spaces 
where you know we really see the apex of a lot of these thoughts. But yes, make that face. But the if, imagination, the imagination. I'm using possible rhetoric. I feel like I'm giving y'all word for word what is happening behind closed doors in these old boy bit of these these good boy conversations and rooms. Like I, I just don't think what I'm saying is that far from conversations that are already being had. My probably old ass farts who've been hating HBCUs since their introduction, since their eminence. You know what I'm saying? So I, I just. We said never. We said they would never. We said it could never be. And then Donald Trump happened to us. And he's happening again. We said but again, never. They could never. like from a technical standpoint, Donald Trump was always possible. Yeah, from a right technical right standpoint. Right number of people, all you need is a majority. You need one person to, to vote a dumbass yeah. way. And like, it's just, it's too, it's not fail safe. It would, it would actually be unconstitutional to close an HBCU because... Oh. Like you they, said it would be unconstitutional? Yeah, it'd be unconstitutional to close who, who, who the HBCU. Who gives a shit about it? There's not enough people who give a shit about what the Constitution actually says. There are three people who will agree with you and defend that. And there are six nah, people. Nah, I don't, I don't think so. Six people, I don't think so. There are six people who will find a way to logically ignore everything that the Constitution says. So that's how we got to Roe. That's how we got to affirmative action. That's how we got to this same-sex marriage. I mean, well, not same-sex marriage, but but, but all they, of the, but all of those things, all of those things were, all of those things were in specific circumstances. Because to be honest, I don't think any of these cases can be used to say, like, for example, even at, without damning the the um, the website, the gay wedding website case was for like how we like how, pretty much discriminating against gay people, even though it makes it seem as if though like that's the standard there's still protections that 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 can't exist people is people going to play with them hoes now they're going to play with them hoes but they there's still there's still protections that 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 do exist so i i feel like cuz I, I hate so much more hope it's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's not optimism. I think it's just tools. I just think. I just think of it as a tools. And that's what I. That's why I said. I do think that they're making. They're making more of the tools that we use to push back against racism and discrimination and oppression. They're ma- they're making those tools unconstitutional. They are doing that. They do have the power to do that, which is what they what they've displaying. But it's it. I I I just. I think there's a shot though. We still have a fight. There's still a fight there. And when it comes to HBCUs. It it's a it it's a clear like having that type of cultural enclave. It's a lot of other things that that now we can tear down and we can call unconstitutional if they said that. that that's a, that's a sleep that's a slippery slope they don't want to deal with. And 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 I'm not saying that as an I'm not an optimistic. I'm an, I'm an Afro pessimist just like you. I'm Afro pessimist just like you. But at the same time. You know how people be like, oh, you, 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 all y'all do is talk about the problems and y'all don't have no way, y'all don't understand, y'all just giving up. You know, you just say, and, and, and I hear this a lot. I hear it. And that's why sometimes I know it can come off as if, to like, to y'all listening, that I'm, you know, that I have an optimistic lens on, or a reformist lens, you know what I'm saying, of the, uh, of the, of, uh, the establishment. I don't, I don't have a reformist. I think that racism is, is ingrained in it. But I do think it's room to fight. It's room to push back. And there, there are things that we can use to push back. I think what you are describing is what I would characterize myself as being, which is like an Afro-pessimist pragmatist. Um, I like that. I like that. I have no belief in the corrective or reformative capacity of the state, but I also don't want to just lay down and die in front of it. 
I am right. very much the, uh, the 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 problem maker. But you be trying to play me though, huh? But you be trying to play me though. But you was just it, it was too much. I don't think you draw. I don't think the lines you drew were hard enough for me. Um, which is why I was being critical <laughs> of the way you were describing your position. But at the same time. My olive branch to that was to to give a name that's a bit more descriptive of what I believe is the politics we share. So, feel away, feel away, young nigga, feel away. Look at that. I think that's yeah. a Drake lyric. That is. Um, but Stop what I will say is we've been having this conversation for a while now, and Vance just popped in here. Definitely always good to get the kinfolk in the building. What's good with you, brother, man? Definitely hope. Um, you feeling good and enjoying the conversation with us. Tyler's been in here talking to us, talking back the whole time. You called it the Platinum Plus plan. He said, I think that was Birdman, my dude. Um, and <laughs> talking about the Platinum plan. It will always be the Platinum Plus plan as long as I give a damn. Actually, sure. it's really the Platinum Plus flyer because it was only two pages. But You're stupid. You're stupid. I digress. Red Wine been talking to us. Winter Dragon popped in here. Chris MVP. Uh, popped in and said what's good with us. Jay shout out to the boy Chris. Shout out to Winter Dragon. Definitely. Tiffany had been in here. Shout out to my sister, Hood Therapy, Donnell, Tori, uh, Astro, just a bunch of people who talked to us tonight. Definitely appreciate that. If you missed any of the conversation, because our numbers kind of went up in terms of the conversation uh, later than it was earlier. We talked about Spill. We talked about Threads. We talked about Twitter at the top of the show. So if you want to get into that, shout out to Alexis. What's going on? Always great to have you in the building. Um, if y'all haven't already, hit that thumbs up. If y'all enjoyed the conversation tonight, pull up real quick and hit that hit that thumbs up on YouTube so we can get some boost to, uh, to, to get other people talking about the show and watching it. And if you missed any of it, just start it from the top and make sure y'all get in there. The reason why it's important you do that is that Spill is, you know, the new app that black folk have gone to and if you black want, people app if you want it's invite only it's invite only so if you want invites me and plug got invites for you if you want to get on spill but you got to hit us up and let us know it's iphone only because it's in the beta stage they're going to expand, expand to android soon but if you missed that part of the conversation just know that you can hit us up send us a dm on instagram send us a message or a comment here on youtube and we'll slide you a a code for an invite to get on spill so think about it consider it let us know anything else plug Nah, that's it, man. We will be back with y'all sometime here soon. Y'all know how I do. Uh, but it's good to be back on a Thursday. It's good to be back right. on a Thursday. Um, when anything happens, we'll get back at it. We'll bring y'all the information the way that we do. Uh, and we will see y'all next time. It's a chop up. Make sure y'all Peace. say bye on the way out. Love y'all. Peace. P- Peace. Yeah, they be rude. Just be leaving. They just be leaving. <laughs> it's ridiculous.